welcome to everybody tuning in. Uh, glad to have you here on our broadcast tonight and in the days to come. And how many of you have enjoyed the holidays? And how many of you have used the holidays and opportunities to witness for Jesus and pass out tracts? We're in that great campaign. It's going to conclude uh, midnight. Uh, when we come to Saturday midnight, it's done. It's finished. We're, we're through then. We need to get as many tracts and door hangers out as we possibly can and follow that up with a witness. Win souls to Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Uh, as we have seen folks come to God uh, through Christ already in this uh, couple of weeks. Let's finish it up on uh, this Saturday. And of course, every day from the Shepherd of the Sheep, join us on the air. And then Saturday morning, 9 o'clock, help us clean. 10 o'clock, go on visitation and uh, get ready for next Sunday as we uh, jump right into the rest of July. There will be a meeting, I understand, in conjunction with our plans for our big extravaganza, youth and kids extravaganza coming up uh, a week from Saturday. I need everybody's help. We need registration people. We need personal workers. We need uh, crowd control. We need, we need uh, breakout folks. We need uh, food people. We need helpers, assistance uh, in the game and competition area for our great, fantastic, uh, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious extravaganza. All right, that's a whole word right there. One mouthful. Uh, see Brother Tyler about that and sign on. Help us out. Now, all those kids we saw yesterday at the picnic need to get all them and all their friends. And let's build and build and build. Let's go reach the families and bring them in. Amen and amen. All right, so this Sunday, in conjunction with that, at 9 a.m., there's going to be a meeting. Brother Gabe is going to be conducting it over here next door. We need to have everybody here to, to hear about their part and what they need to do. I appreciate all the hard work uh, that Brother Gabe and uh, that Brother Tyler and others will be doing. Praise God for you. I thank God for the good work uh, on all these summertime activities. Now, before we know it, we're going to be into the Prince William County uh, Fair Soul Winning Booth Ministry. Nine exciting days you need to get signed up. See Brother Tyler, get one of those slots. Get signed up for the, all the good ones, all the juicy ones get taken. All right, so you need to jump out there, get out front of the curve on that thing. We're going to have some training coming up the 22nd, the 29th, and I believe it's the 5th of August. And uh, that, that will be um, in the afternoon on Saturday, three consecutive Saturdays if we need them. And uh, get ready for our August Outreach. Before we know it, it'll be our 60th anniversary. We're already talking about things that need to get done before then. We're going to do some exterior interior work, and uh, we are going to get a crowd here for October the 29th to the glory of God. 60 wonderful years. God has certainly blessed us. He's been so good to us. We don't deserve it. I'm telling you, we don't deserve anything but hell, and God has been so good. He saved us, and He's kept us. And praise God. All right. Um, got your Bibles. I hope that you'll turn with me now. We're going to start out by going to 1 Corinthians for just a moment and get a principle. When I taught the youth ministry seminar some years ago, I again reviewed the triangle uh, and uh, the things that need to be taught. And one, one side of that particular biblical triangle 
is based on 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians, verses 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We're told elsewhere in Scripture that um, we are the temple. We are the temple of the living God. God the Holy Spirit dwells in us, just like the Shekinah glory uh, shone out of the uh, holy, uh, uh, holiest place, the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament tabernacle and the temple as well. We need to have that absolute obvious shining coming from us. Amen. Last uh, time I spoke, now it was two weeks ago, I want to thank uh, Tyler for covering last Wednesday night uh, on the light and darkness. I hope you'll get that on, uh, on uh, your YouTube and, um, and that you'll listen to it over and over again. Good principles. But two weeks ago, uh, we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. What kind of ministry for Christ have we? And that ministry is something that we are all a part of. We're, we're building parts. We're essential components of this thing that the Lord is in and is blessing, this living thing. And so I hope that, uh, that you've got that down, that principle down. Now this principle teaches us that we've been bought with the price of the blood of Jesus Christ and we owe Him everything. He owns us lock, stock, and barrel. The question is not ownership. That, that never comes into view. You can mark this down. For the believer... The question of, of who ought to be calling the shots and who owns us has been settled at Calvary. Calvary and the empty tomb. Jesus Christ owns us. He bought us. He paid for us. The blood of Jesus Christ washed us clean, paid for our, our redemption, and we belong to God. But the question is not ownership. The question is possession. Who possesses us? Who controls us? Who guides us? You know, if, if we go to God after we tried our, our, our own designs and our own thoughts and uh, popular opinions and so forth, we are, we are really diminishing the role of God, and whatever we're putting ahead of God is our idol. So if you ask other people before you ask God, you've just made them God, they're, they're your idol, and uh, they're the ones that you're worshiping and listening to, uh, people who listen to relatives, People who listens, listen to friends, people who listen to, you know, horrible, ungodly, worldly sources, popular opinions. That's your God. Don't even listen. Don't even, you say, oh, I'm just, just curious as to what their take is on it. Who cares? They're not even smart enough to get saved. How dumb are they? Yeah. So what I'm saying to you is this. Go to God first. Get your guidance and your direction from the Lord first. And uh, praise God for folks that go along the path. You know, what I, I view them as this. You know, they, they're there to help you, keep you on the path. And, and uh, I want to be one of those. How about you? Amen. Uh, how do we keep going? How do we keep going in ministry such as ours, which drains us, which demands so much of us? All, all God demands is you. <laughs> in other words, all of you, all of me. That's what he demands. So when we come to 2 Corinthians chapter 
4, we're going to start at verse 7 tonight. Keep in mind that it's because God the Holy Spirit indwells us. And if we're letting Him have His way with us, He comes first. Jerry Falwell's little pins that he used to send out. Thank you, uh, Tyler and Carissa, for shopping online and getting me a, several sets of the, the old pins of Jerry Falwell. Jesus first. Jesus first. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. Amen. i got to say I'm a happy Christian. I'm a joyful Christian. Um, I'm subject to the discouragements of anybody, but I have determined not to park there, not to put it in park. When I get discouraged, I keep moving right along on the path. Amen. Because, you know, there, there's too much the world, the flesh, and the devil going to slow us down, get us all sludging through. Anybody ever go sloshing through the mud? And after you get a bunch of that on, on your boots, man, you can't even pull them up anymore. And you get stuck in there like it's in quicksand. You got to keep moving. Keep moving fast. Keep moving along for the Lord. Don't even, don't even give a second thought. And um, sometimes, I mean, if you're in the battle for the Lord and right, keep on the firing line. Uh, you say, yeah, but so-and-so goes down. I just got to spend all my time just covering them. And that's what slows down most ministries. You know, that's why you got medics, the medic corps. They come along. They help, you know. That's right. That's what they do. You got the, those soldiers of Jesus Christ got to keep going, keep moving. Amen. Don't slow down. Preacher, all these metaphors. Well, I hope you can absorb them all tonight. All right. I think uh, I must have taken a double dose of my Prevagen today or something like that. Where do they, they get that from? Squids or octopus or something like that. And uh, so all that goo makes me, you know, remember. I've got recall. Tom, I've got recall. I can remember things. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So praise the Lord. Amen. Okay. So uh, how do we keep going? How do we keep going? And uh, we're going to get all of that tonight. So let's look in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, have this treasure in earthen vessels. All right. Underline vessels, draw a line out to the margin, and put down me. Now, don't write preacher, but me, you, 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 all right? Who, who's the earthen vessel? We are. We're the earthen vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Now, the treasure is the same treasure that you see in the parable of the treasure that's discovered in the field. The, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the salvation that we have in and through Jesus Christ, the life that we have, Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Jesus Christ is our treasure. Jesus in you is the hope of glory. And that treasure that, uh, that is inside is inside earthen vessels. We are just common, ordinary, everyday earthen vessels. But what's inside you and me makes us valuable. In this world, there's got to be some vessel in which God has control. And if you're that vessel, you say, God, you got control of me. You can control my mouth. Remember what we read over there in Proverbs chapter 4 about our mouth, our eyes, our feet. Okay, oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. Be careful, little feet, where you go. For the Father up above is looking down, watching in love. Oh, be careful, Lies, little mouth, ears, little 
tongue, all those different parts of you, we sing. How true is that? That's very true. There are people who say, I'm saved. I've been, I've been saved by grace. Uh, yeah, the purchase is not the question. It's the possession. Who's got your mouth? Who's got your mind? Who's got your heart? Who's got your eyes? Who's got your ears? Who's got your feet? Who's got your hands? Amen. That's so important. So important. Oh, Lord, give us a generation of Christians who are going to relearn and relive that principle of that song Oh, be careful, oh, be careful, oh, be careful, oh, be careful. If you're not, man, the devil, the, the world, the flesh just has a heyday with us. The treasure is Jesus Christ. He's the hope of glory in you and me. If he's got control of us, doesn't matter what old earthen vessel we are. You're worried about it. You say, man, I'm so worried about this, that, or the other part of me. Well, most of what we worry about is not important. It, more important what we do for Jesus and how he has his control in us. All right, so we got the treasure. Now, now let's notice the trouble. We are troubled on every side. Now, most believers today, if you go uh, any distance with them based on their conversation, they put a period right there. We're troubled on every side. What was that? We're troubled on every side. Excuse me? We're troubled on every side. You know, <laughs> nobody knows the troubles I've seen. <laughs> but what comes after that? Yet. Thank God for the yets. Thank God for the, the conjunction, you know. Uh, but God, amen. Yet not distressed. Troubled, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. See, that first part, where we like to park it, right? But the second part is God's answer. God's answer to your trouble is we're not distressed. God's answer to your perplexity is that you're not in despair. God's answer to your persecution is that you're not forsaken. God's answer to being cast down is that you're not destroyed. Amen. One of my mentors used to preach a great message, and he would talk about how he would listen on the radio before the days of television. He'd listen to the old boxing matches. And uh, I don't know how many matches Joe Lewis fought as heavyweight champion, but I think every one of them was on Saturday night fights, you know. And people would tune in and listen. To, and, and Joe Lewis, uh, he, he was a um, great, great boxer, great fighter, uh, I mean, through his prime, even into his older age, in his older years, even when he tried, attempted a comeback. But Joe Lewis was amazing, and um, uh, they'd listen, they'd listen, they'd listen. And, and uh, a lot of people, and then we got television, and, and all grainy, and people would watch, you know, the, the old black and white fights, and, and they'd see, you know, one come out of the corner, another one, you just, well, who was that? What was it? Did you see that right? Did you see that left? And they would, uh, they'd watch it. And you may condemn pugilism, which is a fancy word for fighting, all right? You may condemn it, but it's in the Bible as a sport. And you don't have to like it. You don't have to do it. But there you go. It's in the Bible, all right? Uh, other people have tried to get baseball and uh, other sports out of, out of the Bible, taking things out of context. But boxing is actually in the Bible. And the reason is because it illustrates so many biblical things. All right. And my 
mentor used to talk about that. He said he had a favorite boxer. And when that boxer would get knocked down, he'd say, get up, get up, get up. You know, and, his, and, the, and the ref's got the other fellow in the neutral corner. He's going, one, two. And the accountant, and he'd get up on one knee and pull himself up. And, and the ref come over and check, you know, check, check the eyes and, and, you know, kind of go like that with the gloves and say, go on. And they go back in there and he'd get, get some more. And uh, the scripture says, cast down but not destroyed. My mentor used to preach a message called knocked down but not knocked out. Knocked down but not knocked out. And that's what we are in and through Jesus Christ. We, we're going to go through some experiences in life that are going to knock us off our feet. And the mistake we make is when we think when we hit that canvas, it's all over. Not all over. I've been once or twice in my life when I heard three Four, and I got back up, <laughs> got back up, and, uh, and that's it. And some, sometimes you can turn that thing around, erase that thing, absolutely um, reverse that. I've, I've seen some things that, that went the full 10 or 12 or 15 rounds, and right to the very, very end. I believe when Larry Holmes won his first title, if I'm not mistaken, any of you that are uh, boxing fans, I believe it was in the last round when, when he took the fight. He was behind on points. I think it was the last round. When it, and I, it may, may not have, have been, but I, I seem to recall that. He just hung in there until the 15th round and ended it, you know. And uh, you just never know uh, until that, that final bell rings. All right, so what is this saying? These troubles, these trials, everybody's got them. Everybody, all that will... Live godly in Christ Jesus, shall suffer persecution. So how do we keep going? By the grace of God. That's it. That's it. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. This is dying to a self-willed way of life. This is allowing uh, the death of Jesus Christ to be the, the model of our living, not selfishly, but sacrificially. We'll talk more about this on Sunday because you see the whole secret to finding our place and there is a place our place in the will of God is is coming through the the affliction that everybody's going to have and affliction is never pleasant but affliction may have a a positive result in the overall living out of our Christianity uh, it's not, it's not, it doesn't feel good. Now, some folks got the wrong idea. They think that the affliction gives them something to talk about all the time. The affliction is that which should help us bring our thoughts, our words, our feelings, everything into line with the master, Jesus Christ. He doesn't put us out there in the ring just so we can get our brains beat up. Uh, he puts us out there in the ring because that's part of the discipline of the Christian life. And so spiritually speaking, that's what it's all about. Uh, that, that Jesus Christ might be seen. You see, they might be manifest in our body. Verse number 10. Now verse 11. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We have having the same spirit of faith, According as it is written, I believed, 
and therefore I have spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Uh, for all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Amen. What does that mean? Well, we're going to come to that in just a minute. I want to get your undivided attention as we pray. Father, we thank you now that you've given us a scripture which is extremely down-to-earth, practical, earthy, and helps us to understand that the business of living the Christian life isn't all glamour and glitter and glory, but rather there's a process by which you're bringing us into conformity with your perfect will. And for some of us, Lord, it takes a little longer, so we want to submit to that. Help us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Last time we, we gathered, two weeks ago, we spoke a little bit about humility and how Paul could have been rich, could have made himself more successful in the world's eyes. Uh, but instead, he didn't preach himself. He preached Christ. And uh, he sought not to honor himself, but to honor Christ. And uh, when, you, when you read that over, we see that it's because he had this business of being a servant and a slave spiritually for Jesus' sake uh, down pat in his mind. He knew his place. He knew his role. Uh, there, there absolutely can be no way that people will come out of darkness if they don't see the light of the Lord in and through us. And so uh, Paul is an example of uh, maybe uh, a little bit of what uh, God gave Brother Tyler to preach on last Wednesday night. We, we, uh, we have this light. We have this uh, shining that uh, helps others come to God and helps uh, weaker Christians see their path and, and uh, is part of what the Lord wants. Now, in verse number 15 of chapter 4, he says, For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God. Now, that word redound, I doubt if anybody used that word today unless you read this scripture out loud to them. It's not a word we would use. Redound. Redound means to contribute greatly to the personal credit or honor of one. In this case, that's, uh, that's it. We want to do our part, make our contribution. And our contribution uh, should be that other people would see Jesus. That's our contribution. It's not that other people would say, oh, what a wonderful person she is or he is. Well, they're going to do that if you treat people, if you just treat people normal or right, and don't treat them nasty like the world does and like some Christians do, they're going to say nice things about you. That's all right. But ultimately, the glory needs to come back to who? To God. He's the one that we're serving. And, and Paul realized that. He said, it's not, I'm not preaching myself. I'm not preaching my own goodness. And those people at Corinth, we're, we're criticizing, critiquing Paul and saying, you don't have letters of commendation from others, and so uh, therefore you're not as good as others. Here Paul is putting it in proper perspective. He's saying, there's a treasure, but it's not you. It's who's in you. And, and there are trials and troubles 
they're going to come to bring it to a point where you and I don't seek the glory, but the light comes out of us and Jesus Christ gets all the glory. That's what it's all about. And so the treasure uh, in this, in this uh, temple is going to go through some trouble, but eventually come out triumphant. So if you can write that down, you've got the alliteration and you've got, uh, I think, the essence of, of what this is all about. In the 16th verse, it says, For which cause we faint not. Why? Because most people would. Most people would faint. If they went through the kind of things, uh, you can read on in uh, chapters to come just how bad those beatings and shipwrecks and, and mistreatment uh, of the Apostle Paul actually were. Those were terrible, terrible things that happened to him. But he was willing to suffer because he had a selfless servant's heart. And that's what we all need to get. A selfless servant's heart. The old Keswick's, spelled Keswick, but pronounced Keswick. The old Keswick preachers, they'd say this. I remember sitting there and hearing them preach. I sat under some of the greatest Keswick preaching you would ever hear in your life. Talk about, you know, how you can be closer to the Lord. How you can have that 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 deep, deep experience with the Lord Jesus makes you want to run up and down and, and shout hallelujah and bring lost sinners to the, to the Savior. Uh, but that Keswick saying that they used to always give is the way up is down. The way to live is to die. That's so true. Absolutely true. We need to get a, an adjustment in our vision. How many of you, I won't ask you, you haven't had your glasses changed in some time and, and you keep running into things and you say, man, who put that there? And nobody put anything there. It's just that you can't see it anymore. Maybe some of you, you know, it's like your arms have shrunk and you can't get it out there enough to read it. I know, gone, gone uh, through that already. That's, uh, you say, preacher, we've gone through it. Yes, yes, yes. I understand where you are. Uh, but we need to get the, this business of sight, uh, spiritual sight adjusted. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, please mark that down, verse 17 or 18, for the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. So we need to adjust our vision. We need to adjust our vision so that we look at the things that are not seen. How do you do that, preacher? Well, certainly not with the eyes of the flesh. Things which are not seen are seen with eyes in faith, in faith believing what God has said, claiming the things you can't yet cast your physical vision upon. All right? For the things which are seen are temporal, temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. This is spiritual sight. And we need that spiritual 
sight. So your body and my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, uh, which is in us. And we've been given uh, a commission that can only be accomplished if we yield to and allow that light to shine out of us, that treasure to be seen as we die to a self-willed way of life daily, moment by moment, 24-7, and live out the selfless servant's life and see things with spiritual sight. Ever been knocked down? Been knocked out? This is important for us to see. We're a chosen generation. We're a royal priesthood, Peter says. We're a holy nation, Christians. We're a peculiar people. Now, some folks may say that not all those things are really complimentary. They don't sound like I'm Mr. or Miss Wonderful. And that's because we're not. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. And if nobody ever says you're wonderful, it's okay. It's all right. It's got to be Jesus Christ who's seen in us, not somebody else. That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. There it is, once again, about the light. So, we understand this business of our suffering. Now, Paul says, when you begin to see things spiritually, you realize that it's not our outward person that has to have all the strength. You and I need to eat our Wheaties or whatever <laughs> it is that you derive your strength, your supplements. Uh, I don't know how many of you have, uh, uh, like make a health shake in the morning, a blended that's loaded with all kinds of good green things. And uh, that gives you your strength or whatever. And, uh, and you get your strength. But that's not where you get your spiritual strength. It's not from... The good diet, as good as it may be. The good supplements, it might not be from any physical exercise, as good as it is. I encourage you in all those areas. Otherwise, you can go to your grave prematurely, and you get to heaven, and you'll be so glad to see Jesus, and he'll say, you know, you weren't due here for another 15 years. Uh, must have been that last smoothie. All right, anyway... My point is this, we need to spend at least as much time concerned about our spiritual uh, strength as our physical strength. What's it going to take to help us ratchet it up, step up a notch spiritually? Are we, let's ask this question, I'm going to ask myself, I'm looking in the spiritual mirror, how about you? Are we further along in our spiritual journey, are we more committed, more dedicated? Are we, are we more excited? Are we less self-centered, less about me, more about Jesus than we were 
say last year or last decade, are we? We should be. We should be progressing. We should be on our upward route, as the, the old song goes. Um, that's important. And how do we do that? On a daily routine, a daily ba basis, we are strengthened, renewed in our inner man, our inner person, day by day. We get into the Word. That's it. Uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's how we prove that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We need a daily renewal. We need, we need to get that thing renewed. Get it renewed. Many, many people struggle with depression. Great Christians, I have known. Now, I'm not going to mention them uh, because some of them are not dead and some of them are recently dead. They're not even hardly room temperature and people all the time, you know, they, they want to analyze the life of somebody. Just leave them alone. Let them be dead a while, all right? Don't, don't get so, so dedicated to, to analyzing their life. I mean, it's none of our business anyway. But um, this is important. This is important. Many great Christians have been depressed. And they had to discover how to get that thing cared for. And there's only one way to do that. Renewal. Renewal. I love Charles Haddon Spurgeon. What a great preacher he was. Died at a very young age. 50, was it 53, I think. He died. Young man. But he started preaching when he was, what, 16, I think. Started pastoring. And uh, the young boy preacher, silver-tongued orator, you know, drawing everybody from all quarters. And eventually, uh, there was no building that could hold the crowd. I mean, they, they came to hear him preach. But he would spend months down on the French coast recuperating because he actually got sick, physically ill, from the melancholy that he experienced. Melancholy is a 19th century word, fancy term for depression. He got so depressed. I have known great preachers who were depressed, went through the, the darkness, the gloom, the blackness. of it. The only answer is in the Word of God and in that... Uh, that uh, re rebounding, uh, abounding that we experience when the Lord fills us to overflowing. The, the abundant life is God's answer to this depressing world in which we find ourselves. Stop looking at everything that's down around you and look up. And look in the Word of God. Amen. Why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking. And how many of you tonight would say, Preacher, something in the Word of God spoke to my heart. Would you slip your hand up high? Something spoke to my heart. Amen. Amen. Many, many hands raised and Thank God for that. Now, God is good, and He's good all the time. And 
Uh, tonight, we want to look to Him for the answer. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you pray from your heart right now? Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. And right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. Offertory tonight, say.